0: Hello, thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. So we're going to look here at Luke 22, 14 through 23. Uh, It says, and when the hour came, He reclined at the table. Remember, they're gathered together to participate and eat of the Passover. Um, He reclined at the table and the apostles with Him, and He said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup, when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it amongst yourselves, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, you can take your piece of bread. He took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We eat now in remembrance of the broken body of Jesus. Verse 20 continues and says, And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup is poured out for you, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And behold, the hand of him who betrays me is at, with me at, on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, and woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And it says they begin to question one another. This cup, the blood of Jesus Christ, there's nothing more precious. And so we drink now of this cup representing the shed blood of our savior jesus christ who is able to wash away and take away all of our sin would you pray with me lord we thank you for the precious opportunity that you give us through this time of communion centered around the lord's table lord to remember and to reflect For the great sacrifice that was given so that we could have life. May we enjoy this life. Life that we have now. And the life that is to come. You have given us the wonderful opportunity to walk with you each and every day. And so Lord may we do that to its fullest. Thank you that we get to think about how much you love us. Thank you that we can be overcome with great uh, gladness and joy to think that there is a creator God who has placed us here on this earth and who thinks so much of us and desires us so much that he sent his one and only son and that Jesus would die for us. We thank you. Thank you for this life you give us. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus, the Christ, our Christ, the Messiah. Amen. If you would now take your Bibles and flip over with me to the book of Acts. And as you're turning there, we're going to look at chapter 4, verses 1 through 22. Um, last week, we looked at how um, Paul and the apostles were there. Paul and John were entering in the temple, and there was this great miracle that God uh, did through them in the name of Jesus. And there's this great picture of people celebrating and this uh, lame man who is now dancing around and, and rejoicing, we, we get a picture that, that, that it is going well. But in chapter 4, it gives us a different picture though, that there is going to be some hardship that's going to come upon us. And as you're turning there to Acts four, let me let me be real with you. This this is uh, it gets old uh, preaching to a camera. Thank you for all of your encouragements. You've been so kind to me, um, and it, it's hard. It's hard not to be with the people that you love and that you shepherd and you care for, and uh, in doing so, um, preparing and planning. Um, it's just hard because uh, you prepare a message and. Um, for me, I prepare in such a way that allows me to, based upon the hearers, um, go in certain directions. And right now, um, I don't hear a whole lot. <laughs> I love Aaron and, and Lene. They're they're doing great, uh, but they're behind screens. I don't even get to see their faces. And uh, and. And so for me to be able to preach as Lene stands up and waves to me, um, as, as I preach, it just is hard. And so I appreciate your, um, your willingness to, to be patient with me as I work through this. And as you're at home, I'm sure that your situations uh, are all different. Some of you, it's really hard to focus and to be able just to sit down as some of you have young children. And it's just a long time for Pastor Aaron to preach 40, 45 minutes is is really a long time. I get that. I understand that. Please don't feel guilty. Don't don't feel any kind of shame at all. Um, you, you have the great, the great uh, opportunity. You can just turn me off, and I'll never know it. And so um, for those of you who have stuck with it and that are still here, let me encourage you to stay in the word. We get to gather together. We get to be in the Word um, today, uh, but we need to keep that constant feeding, and it needs to happen more than just Sunday. So let me encourage you to stay in the Word this week, and uh, as we get ready to dig into Acts 4, I'll try to condense this a little bit so that we can, uh, we'll read through it and then we'll just kind of walk through it and, and this narrative and just pick out some some different points and then see how that can apply to our lives. And so I pray that this will be an encouragement to you. So we're going to read through this Acts chapter 4. I'll read from the ESV. You can follow along. Uh, if you would, please open your Bibles. Don't, you can follow it along on the screen, but I, I encourage you, follow along in your Bible, your electronic device where you keep your notes um, so that you can see it and it, it just sinks in. Um, Acts 4.1, it says, And they were speaking to the people, and the priests, and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them into custody until the next day, for it was already evening. For many of those who had heard uh, the word believed, and the number of the men came about to five thousand. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas uh, the high priest, and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, and all who were of the priestly family, high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, And seeing that the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further amongst the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. As we look at this text, we see um, here is Peter and John. And they're thrown into jail for a night. And then they come back and they appear for before the religious leaders. Uh, and, and the religious leaders ask them a simple question. And uh, we're going to look at that here in just a moment. Could it be said of you in your life... Uh, if somebody asked you a simple question, why do you live the way you live? Could you give an answer to that? What would your answer look like? Um, how would you respond? In a, in a simple, short, concise way, how would you respond to that question? Why Why do you do what you do? Why did Why do you say what you say? Why did you say that? Or why do you act that way? Or why do you not do that? What's your answer? Well, we see Peter and John um, they give a response and it really stands out to the religious leaders of that time. Let's dig in. R- verse one says they were speaking to the people, the priests, the captains of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. What's interesting. The Sadducees were people who did not believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Um, they were religious leaders who were sad. You see, that's how I always remember. I taught, was taught that as a kid, they were sad because they never, they never, believed in not only in Jesus' resurrection, but the resurrection, resurrection of the people um, into a new life. And so uh, these Sadducees were sad. And so um, we see that the priest, the captain, mainly who it is, is the religious leaders of that time who were in the temple, who got to see and to hear some of what Peter and John were, were preaching and teaching. They were here And as Peter and John were speaking to the people, these religious leaders came along and they put them um, in custody. They arrested them. They put them in in jail and they did that that evening um, because it was already evening. They did it um, uh, in such a way that they were now kept overnight. So then in the morning um, they have all gathered together. But before We get to the next morning, uh, we see that Dr. Luke includes for us an important element. And he puts it here in verse 4, But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. What we see here is the the picture of the growing uh, numbers of the gospel message, of those who heard the words of Jesus and of the apostles and who then believed. We see in chapter 1, verse 15, uh, that there were about 120 who were gathering in the upper room. Then we see in chapter 2, verse 41, that there were 3,000 uh, that were added to, their, to those numbers. And then we see in chapter 4, verse 4 here, that there were about 5,000 men. We're not going to go in this morning to to debate whether or not these were 5,000 men or 5,000 men and women, Uh, we know that the numbers continue to increase. And I think that's what Dr. Luke is trying to show us here. As the gospel message is being presented, the numbers continue to be added to. People are believing that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the the Savior uh, from their sin. So let's continue now. We see in in verse 5, here they are, the rulers, the elders, the scribes. We even see some specific names that Dr. Luke gives to us, those who were of the high priest's family. These are the religious leaders of that time, Um, the the rich, the famous of the religious leaders. They've gathered together, and when they put Paul and Peter together, um, or, or, Peter and John in their midst, um, they inquire of them, and this is their question. By what power or by what name did you do this? How are you doing this? How would you have the power and the capacity to heal this man? Peter's response, and, and Dr. Luke helps us to see that Peter's response is not just of himself. He is controlled, and he is given the power through the Holy Spirit. What a magnificent gift that God has even given to us today, that we get to live life with the power of the Spirit. And this morning, I'm relying upon the power of the Spirit to speak to us today. I want God to speak to me, and I want Him to speak to you today. We see that Dr. Luke concludes this, and I think this is important as we think about how we live our lives each day. Am I trying to live it by my power or am I trying to respond or to live in the power of the Holy spirit here? The spirit is going to speak through Peter Uh, and he, and he starts with a term. Your version may say rulers or leaders. Uh, This term actually is going to point to um, the Psalm that he's going to quote. Psalm 118 is the Psalm that he's going to quote. And in verse uh, nine of 118, it's the same term that is used here that that Psalm 118 verse 9 speaks to Peter is using here to refer to those leaders those rulers uh, who are uh, asking him this question you dig into it make a little reference there Psalm 118 verse 9 go back into it and you can see uh, Peter's reference as he's as he's doing this has a direct effect um To these religious leaders, because as noted, we're going to see in just a moment, they're going to consider them uneducated, not uneducated as in schooling and reading and writing. Uh, They're very prolific in being able to communicate and being able to, to write and to record and to speak. It's not that uneducated. What they are looking at is an uneducated aspect of religion. It's not like they've come up in the religious schools uh, of theology here. And so here are these men speaking as, uh, as they respond in such a way. I think they knew what Peter was getting to when he was referencing back to Psalm 118. Remember, Psalm 118 is a huge and critical part of the Jewish faith. And so I'll let you do a little research on that, but... When we see Peter's response in verse 8, he calls them rulers. It's the same term as for prince in Psalm 118, verse 9. Rulers of the people and elders. If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel. Again, Peter's response, led by the Holy Spirit, is not just to answer these men. But ultimately, it's to proclaim Jesus to everyone, to all people. And we have that today in our text. We have the Bible as it's being uh, passed out around the globe. Um, this account, let all know that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Peter makes it, he, he holds no punches back. He goes right at him. Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, remember who these religious leaders are. They just weeks earlier had crucified Jesus, the same place where Peter and John are probably now standing, Jesus was standing there, and they 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 claimed you are not the Messiah, and here Peter and John are saying, listen, this man that you crucified, because they're saying that, whom you crucified, Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, this man whom you crucified, he's the Messiah. He's the one whom God raised from the dead. Again, signifying that Jesus didn't just stay dead. The man who stood here where we're standing, who you put to death, lives. He's alive. And it's by his power, his name, that this has happened. By this man, Jesus... He raised him, and this man here standing is able to do so because of the power of Jesus. Um, Verse 11 says, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Again, referencing back to Psalm 118, verse 22. We know that the cornerstone is the most important stone especially at that time, it's a little bit different how we work today. We dig down into the ground and we build a foundation, the foundation of the, of the, the buildings at that time, they didn't necessarily build down and dig down, but that chief cornerstone was a very visible stone that was to set the building of every, every other part of that, that building, excuse me. And so in doing that, that building, that, that most important piece of stone it was rejected. Now that wouldn't be uncommon for builders. They would have to have a perfect stone to put in that place. Perfect dimensions, perfect uh, cut of it. And so in doing this, Peter is saying, you know, the, the cornerstone, you've rejected that. And that was the most important piece. And you've mi- you're missing something. And so what you have built is not going to be able to stand. And so it's a reference, again, to Psalm 118, verse 22. Let me challenge you today. What is your cornerstone? What is there that is visible and that is very real, that your life is set upon? That that if removed, the rest of your life would crumble. If it is anything other than Jesus Christ, you've missed the boat. Your building is in neglect, and you need to come back, and you need to... to to ask God to repair and that you would place Jesus as that chief cornerstone. Peter then says this in verse 12, he says, there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Let me say this very clearly today. There is salvation. There is hope. That is not found in anyone else but through Jesus Christ. That's not because I say it. It's because God has said it. God's word has told us that salvation comes through Jesus Christ. I'm so dogmatic about that today because that's what God's word tells us. And you can have that same hope and that same emphasis. That salvation is found nowhere else. We need saved from our sin. We need, we need deliverance. We need to be bought out of this slave market of sin that we're, we're stuck in. Jesus has done that. Jesus has paid the price so that we could be saved. And he offers salvation to you today. There is salvation in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Verse 13, and when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated common men and they were astonished. Again, they, they were quoting Psalm 118, which was a huge and critical part to the faith of, of the Jewish people at that time. Here we are confronted with um, the the reality that God can use anybody for his glory. You don't have to be raised up in in a religious um, setting to know and to seek the truths of God and for the spirit to work. And so right there in your home, uh, right where you dwell and, and, and rest, you have the opportunity to be educated, to learn and to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you never will have a theological training. God allows you the opportunity to grow. One of the great things that I learned in college was uh, when I went to Baptist Bible College, I had a dear friend um, who, who encouraged me to uh, to sense and to know that even though you're leaving college, you're graduating, he said, you, you have the opportunity every day to grow in your walk with Jesus. You don't need to take a class. You don't have to have a seminary degree. God gives us the opportunity, and we should take advantage of the opportunity to grow every day in the Lord. He gives us that. Let me encourage you to do that as well. Verse 14, but seeing that the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Uh, They recognized that these men had been with Jesus. In doing so, their love for Jesus, their devotion to Jesus was out pouring uh, on those around them. It just seeped out of them. And then they looked and there was this man who was healed. And And, and what argument could they make? This man uh, in, in his uh, crippleness has been made well. And, and so um, it's interesting to read as Dr. Luke reads or records for us. Seeing that the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. There are times in our life when God goes before us and God uh, calls us as his mouthpiece to speak for him and to live life in such a way that represents him. Opposition often has nothing that they can respond with. Um, The evidence are overwhelming. And so as we live life, may we take encouragement from that. Verse 15 says, But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further amongst the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in his name. What they do is they kick Peter and John and this this healed man out of the room, and they start to confer and say, What are we going to do? Now the terminology here in the Greek helps us to see that it was probably a longer period of time that they spent trying to come up with some, uh, some conclusion. They've heard the answer of Peter, the man standing there is a witness to what Peter has said, how are they going to respond? So their response was this, we're going to tell them that they can't talk that way anymore. They're not allowed to use the name of Jesus. They're not allowed to proclaim him. They can't speak of him anymore. And so they gather them together. So they called them together, verse 18, and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. There's two things here. Number one, we don't want you to even speak about who Jesus is. Number two, we don't want you to teach about Jesus. Two different things. So they couldn't even talk about Jesus, but they weren't even supposed to teach about him either. Meaning, don't you come into uh, Solomon's portico and start teaching about who Jesus is. So that was their pronouncement, their judgment. And so let's see their response. Uh, Peter and John answered uh, them this, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Here's Peter's response. Are we supposed to listen to you or are we supposed to listen to God? Now, these are religious leaders who are proclaiming this uh, pronouncement in, in the midst of other people, and they're proclaiming them not to speak of Jesus. Peter's response, and Peter and John, are, their response is this Are we supposed to listen to you, or are you supposed to listen to God? Because we can't help but listen to God. And so their response now to that response is Okay, we've dug ourselves a hole, and we can't get out of it. And so, um, verse 21, it says, and when they had further threatened them, so they must have responded in a way that threatened them even more. Um, they let them go finding no way to punish them because of the people for all were praising God for what they had, what had happened. See, there was, there was witnesses, not just this man who was healed, but there were others who have gathered around praising God, giving glory to him. It's amazing what happens when the, the multitudes of followers of Jesus unite together and give God glory and to give witness that God is working. These, these religious leaders had had no way to discipline or to punish or to, to, to try to get Peter and John to get in line because they were overwhelmed by the appearance of the people who were giving witness of who God was kind of gives us a picture back to what Dr. Luke writes in his gospel account. As Jesus walked and talked and shared uh, with the multitudes, and as he proclaimed uh, the hope of Jesus, of who he was, and, and the forgiveness of sin, and also healing of the multitudes of people, uh, and, and touching different people in different ways, um, the religious leaders of that time struggled to find a way to bring Jesus in and to punish him. Uh, We see that account as the apostles are following in Jesus's footsteps. um, The same thing is happening. And I wonder today, uh, is that true of us as we see God working in our midst, as we're following and proclaiming Jesus um, in the same ways, are we allowing God to protect us and represent who we are as we, as we make Jesus the priority, as we make Jesus the focus, it says uh, verse uh, twenty, the end of verse twenty-one. When they had further threatened them and let them go, finding no way to punishment because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. Verse twenty-two, for the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than forty years old. Uh, this is this is a critical and and, and really interesting tidbit of information that Dr. Luke leaves out until right now. And he tells us that this man who's been crippled is more than 40 years old. Why is that important? Well, because this is a miracle that has taken place that wasn't able to be explained in any other way. It wasn't just that, okay, he he was uh, normal, normal. Uh, child running around and then uh, something happened and he got hurt or he had a disease. No, he had this from his birth. And then he was f- over 40 years old. Now he has lived with this his whole entire life. Meaning I'm sure there was a lot of things tried and failed in order to help him. And so here was the one hope, the one way that he is standing before them healed. It's through the power of Jesus. The power of Jesus, that's all it is. We, we get to live each day with the power of Jesus. Are you proclaiming Jesus? Are you sharing about what Jesus has done? Are you ashamed of him? Uh, are, are, you, are you distracted by different things of this world um, that may be preventing you and I from sharing of who this Jesus is and the power that, that he has in our life and, and the power that, that we can display for others to see. See, the most critical and most important miracle that could ever happen happened in my life when I was around the age of four or five years old. And in that little Sunday school room in the bottom basement of Norton Baptist Church, Um, right there, I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sin and to be my savior, to come into my life and to be my Lord. I didn't know the fullness of what that meant at that time. I just knew I wanted heaven and I wanted to be with Jesus and I realized that Jesus had died for me to take my sin, to take all my wrongdoing and he did that because he loved me. And Not only did he die, but then I, I found out and I trusted and believed that he raised from the dead After three days, that miracle of life has transformed my life. And I can't help but to speak about that. It has changed me in ways that I don't know if I'll ever realize. There are times when I look back at my life and realize the decisions that have been made um, were led by God. And it's very evident. Other times, the decisions I made were made by self and for myself. I'm not a perfect man. I'm far from it. I have many faults. And for those, I agonize and those, I become discouraged. And and it's hard at times, just as I'm sure you may struggle as well. But let me encourage you today. We have an opportunity laid before us. We have an opportunity to proclaim about the miracle of Jesus and what he's done in our life. How he's taken a broken heart, a heart of stone, and he's made it right and pure. And whole again. Jesus offers to you eternal life. And it's only through Jesus that we find salvation. If you found Jesus as your hope and salvation. I want to encourage you. That this week. You will proclaim that boldly. Lovingly. Graciously. And proudly. We have a short life to live here on this earth. We don't know what's to come today or tomorrow or this week or next year. But God has given us an opportunity to be his ambassador and to proclaim the love of Jesus to others. And So I want to encourage you to pray and to ask God what that looks like. God, how would you have me proclaim your love to others around me this week? We have had the opportunity to not only think about his love, to look at his love demonstrated in a very real way through the healing of this man. And then Peter and John uh, proclaiming that to the religious leaders uh, of Jesus, this Christ whom you crucified, uh, that God raised from the dead, it is by his name that this man has been healed. We've also looked at the, the, the great opportunity that you and I have of accepting Jesus as our Savior. And now we have the opportunity to proclaim that. As we live our lives, asking for God's help to be led by the Spirit, let me encourage you again, let me, let me implore you, let me beg you, we have a lost and dying world, and this needs to be our singular focus. How can I share the love of Jesus with those around me in my life? Let's pray and let's ask God's help uh, as we live our lives. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the way you care for us. Thank you for providing your son, Jesus Christ. In him, we have hope. In him, we have life. In him and through Jesus, we have salvation that is found in no other. The miracle of our lives being saved from our sin so that we can have eternity with you, Lord, is the most wonderful and glorious gift that could ever be given to us. Lord, may that motivate us, encourage us, and strengthen us to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ to our friends, our family, our neighbors, to those whom we love most, and to those who struggle in knowing who we are. Lord, we wrestle with getting caught up in this world in the things that are not necessarily that important. So as we go about our days and about our weeks, as we do the things that you've called us to do, as we as we care for our families and love them, as we work hard in our places of employment, as we go about our days in school and doing our schoolwork, Lord, whatever we're doing. I pray, Lord, that you would help us by the power of your Spirit that lives inside of us to proclaim Jesus, that people may see that Jesus is real and the hope and the peace and the love that we have can, can be theirs as well. We need your help, Lord, so help us to do that well. And in times where we fail and mess up, Lord, may we not be uh, uh, stuck or paralyzed in our sin or in our guilt. But Lord, may we quickly come to you. Acknowledging our, our, our deficiencies and our sin. And Lord, uh, knowing and trusting that that your work is continuing in our lives. Thank you for helping us to become more like your son Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day and for this time. And I pray your hand a blessing upon each one who's listening. May you bless them and their families. Lord, may you strengthen them for the day and for the week ahead. And may you go before them, lighting the way and showing them who you are and how good you are. May you provide for them in ways that they would never have imagined. And as we see your blessings, Lord, may we be quick to give you praise and give you thanks. We pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus the Messiah. Amen. Thank you so much for joining uh, me today and for being here. I pray that you've been blessed and that you're encouraged. And I pray that you would reach out and uh, continue to check in on those who, who, um, who God lays upon your heart and that you may be a little encouragement to them as we still are, are, are kind of apart from one another, uh, that we still would feel that warmth and, and to know that there are people thinking and praying for us. So let me encourage you to do that as well. Lord bless you. Have a wonderful week and a wonderful day.